Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Well, hi there, Browns fans, and welcome to the Internet Colossus of Streaming that is OBR Weekly. My name's Barry. I publish the OBR. His name is Fred. He provides the actual knowledge and intelligence that guides this program. So my job is to sit here and point questions to him. Uh, I guess it's that direction. Point directions to him. He answers the questions, and we all come out a little bit better for it. Uh, some uh, programming notes for OBR Weekly. This show, if you're familiar with it at all, um really depends on your comments and questions uh we feed off of your comments and questions throughout the show so feel free to participate in the chat room we've already got uh some folks uh hitting us up with some comments and questions and uh <laughs> rumors and so on and so forth uh so we will comment on those uh and uh that way you don't have to put up with the stuff that i've prepared and stolen from Ask the Insider, so on and so forth. So uh, without further ado, Mr. Freddie Greenham, how you doing, Fred? Doing great, Barry. Good um, open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be more of a conversationalist, less of an announcer. So I, I hope you approve of that. Yeah. You, you hope you approve of that. So um, the first thing you can do for us, Fred, is just clear up this Deshaun Watson mystery, you know, whether he's going to play or not. I'm sure you... Uh, I'm sure you know being there in Berea and uh, have all the answers uh, as uh, OG Philly is demanding some answers right now as to whether or not Deshaun Watson's going to play. So what's the scoop? Well, I'd, I'd give them to OG Philly, but nobody else. So <laughs> I guess I could just whisper to him. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's It's crazy how, you know, I've been out there so long. We were talking about this amongst ourselves in the media room. A lot of, you know, there's 10, 10 or 15 of us there. And a lot of us have been around for the entire time since the team returned. And there's always something with this team. I mean, I don't know how many teams go through three quarterbacks in a year, but if, if Walker starts, it'd be like the 10th time, I think since 99, they've, not just had one backup, they've had two backups play. So you hope it doesn't get to that, but it's almost surreal how this has been going because um, it started out, you know, the guy played the rest of the game against the Titans. In fact, he threw a 43-yard touchdown pass. I realized he was still loose and stuff, but it seemed like, you know, that, um, you know, if you got – significantly loosened up or whatever there wasn't anything preventing you know from that success and then you know you thought he was going to play I watched him come out at 10 o'clock from the press box and mm -hmm. I saw him you know with a stocking cap on he sure looked like he was all excited and ready to go he was 
running all over the place. And then he went in and then we got the word that he wasn't. And then, okay, it's a bye week for sure. You know, he's going to be ready for the four. If he's that close to the, you know, to playing against the Ravens. And now the way they're doing things, it really puts a big question mark, you know. He could have at least been out on the field, you know, on Monday, throwing a little, but they chose to keep him inside. Today they came out and said, okay, he's not practicing today. He's just rehabbing. And, uh, you know, when he – first of all, the quarterback usually speaks on Wednesday, whoever it is. It's always Mm -hmm. been the way it is. And we saw right away that he wasn't listed as a speaker for today. So he said, okay, what's going on here? And then no practice. So the secrecy continues. So I have no idea what he's doing. You know, the one little comment Stefanski said that he was throwing on Monday more than he did before. Well, that that was a low bar. He was lobbing the ball like 10 yards, you know. Right. So – you know, I would almost say the drop dead would be tomorrow if he's not out there practicing. I don't see how you'd run him out there. In fact, you start to wonder, you know, if 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 it's worth putting him out there against the top defense, you know, mm-hmm. in in the NFL. I know each game's important and you'd surely like to get to three and two. Um I don't know if he's a hundred percent, if you're going to get to three and two, but you'd hate to lose him for the season, you know, to go out there, you know, how teams, the reason they're so secretive about injuries, because they don't want the other team to target the injured, you know, like if it's a hamstring on a DB, they don't want, you know, the opponent really to know the extent of it. So they don't pick on them. Well, if you got if you're a quarterback with a shoulder bruise, I think they're gonna, you know, hit yeah. you in the shoulder, you know. And so, I really don't know at this point. It's unfortunate, you know, how it is. But he made it sound, you know, he he said like Brad Stainbrook reported that PJ Walker would be the backup today. He said that he's going to be elevated. So you really have to make a move, you know, with him. So now (laughs) it's anybody's guess, but I would say tomorrow, you know, if he's out there and throwing it around, you know, I think it would quiet down a lot, but Mm -hmm. if he's really inside for sure, but if he's out there and not throwing, you know, I don't, I don't know what to believe, but it's up. It's kind of one of them. And I understand a little bit from the Browns aspect. They said last week they were confident he's going to play against 49ers. They were confident he was going to play against the Ravens. Then he didn't. Mm -hmm. And so they feel like they're backtracking. Well, you guys said he was medically cleared. How come he didn't play? Well, I think everybody understands is what Stefanski said the last two days, that you can be cleared, that you're not going to get hurt anymore you know, or there's anything, it's just, can you function, you know, can mm-hmm. you throw the ball 50 yards or whatever you need to on a dime? So that's kind of where they're at. And uh, I, at this point, I'd be surprised almost. I think it's trending more that he wouldn't play, you know, because you got the 49ers, he's going to be less than hundred percent. I, I have to believe, you know, even if he would have started the, 
you know, Monday out on the practice field, you would think, okay, he still might not be a hundred percent. So I don't mm-hmm. know what percentage he is, but do you put him out there when part of his game's running, you know, and definitely throwing against the great defense, like the 49ers, if they know he can't throw the deep ball and we know the Browns running game is suspect, that kind of puts you in a world of hurt. Yeah, it certainly does. Now, the nature of <clears throat> the nature of this with Watson, you know, two weeks ago saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to play," you know, and telling uh, reporters that, and then not playing, uh, and then the team coming out and saying, "Well, he was medically cleared," you know, and he didn't play. All this spawns a whole series of conspiracy theories, right? And one <clears throat> of the conspiracy theories might be that the Browns are engaged in what that guy who writes the newswire in the morning referred to as skullduggery about Watson's availability. Uh, And Manimal follows up with this question about whether there's any strategic advantage in being this secret with Watson's injury. I mean, everybody already knows it's a shoulder, right? I mean, you're not hiding anything there. But, you know, assuming Watson is getting closer, is there any strategic advantage to hiding him from practice on, on a Wednesday and telling us that he's, you know, day, day to day. No, I don't think so. I think he's getting treatment. I think, you know, it playing baseball and having shoulder injuries, maybe not the same one he has, but really it's just rest and time. There's things you can do to stimulate the, the healing process in there, but I don't think there's any necessarily, I don't know what you do rehab other than a rubber band and stretching and things he was doing before the game when he was Mm -hmm. warming up. But I do, I don't think there's any competitive advantage. Let me, let me put it this way. I don't think the 49ers are spending any time on DTR or PJ Walker. They played against him last year when he was with the Panthers. I don't think there were, you know, I'm not saying they're not going to look at film, but they're not worried about them. They're they're right. more worried about Deshaun Watson. That's who they would prepare for. And anything less is a big drop off. They'll prepare for Watson as if he's a hundred percent, you know, to try to take away, you know, what he does best. And, and if he doesn't play, I don't think they're going to be too worried, you know, about PJ Walker or, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Obviously, it's going to be Walker if Watson doesn't play. So mm-hmm. don't think don't think that's it. Um I do think I saw a comment. I don't know if you're going to bring it up, but I think it was Philly again had. But as far as I do think they deferred a lot to Watson. Stefanski said a couple times leading up to the Ravens that Deshaun knows his own body. And he knows what he can do. And I'm pretty sure he said, don't worry, I'll be ready to go by Sunday. And I think when he told reporters on Friday, he he was 100% confident that he'd be able to play on Sunday. And I just think the Browns, they, they shouldn't have taken his word for it. <laughs> and they should have been prepared because it didn't seem like they were. Dorian Thompson Robinson told us this morning that he did not know he was starting till about 1030. And that was about the time Watson went in after I saw him work out. They Mm -hmm. had their little discussion. He decided he wasn't going to play. They went in and told him. And 
you know, they can say all they want, you know, I prepare like I'm going to be the starter, but it's a different animal when you're getting all the reps and you're ready to go in that. And so I just, I just think that they really were pretty confident that Watson was going to play and, and maybe he didn't divulge how, maybe not so much how much it hurt, but they could see, you know, that he wasn't throwing it very far. And, you know, and I don't know where you get that disconnect saying, don't worry, I'll be able to throw lasers, you know, in two days, but he couldn't. Yeah. Now this, this whole situation um, has people thinking that there is some sort of a disconnect between Watson and Stefanski, that there's some sort of a conflict between the two. Uh, Drew and Brick City is referring to it, um, that Lane was talking uh, and answering questions on that subject and asked the insiders. Um, uh, I'm not going to talk specifically about what Lane had to say there. Uh, I don't want to take him out of context. And uh, K.A. here talks about Stefanski not motivating or inspiring millionaire athletes uh, in this day and age. Um, have, have you gotten any sense of that, that Watson and Stefanski may not be on the same page when it comes to things like, like play calling or the offensive sets that are being used, anything along those lines? Um, has there been any sense from the locker room that there's any sort of disconnect there? No, other than Watson made a couple comments early after those first couple games when they didn't look very good, that they weren't, he was, I took it as he was talking about the other offensive players, they weren't all on the same page. Mm. Um, I haven't heard anything like that. It, it, when things are going well, everything's great. When things are not going well, everything's not great. And there was a lot of positive coming out of the Titans game. The offense looked like it was coming together, at least in the passing game. Watson had his best game, threw for 289 yards, touchdowns, no interceptions, even without a running game. And, you know, so I think that's what it comes down to. Unfortunately, now with this injury, he's missed a week. He's had a bye week, even if he plays or when he does play again, you don't know if he's going to pick up where he left off or for back to square one. And it takes two or three games to get him back ramped up. Mm -hmm. So that's the, you know, that's the, the deal here, you know, and coming back, if you're less than hundred percent against the 49ers, they're going to be licking their chops, the Nick Boses and that gang. They've been, they've been very strong against um, the run and so they're going to take try to take the run away. The Browns have been struggling there. And they've created a lot of turnovers. Where the Browns are at the bottom in the takeaway ratio, the 49ers are at the top. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's going to be extremely tough. So I don't know if I'm Watson. Maybe I watched the game against the 49ers and maybe I'll take another week or rest. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But as far as who knows, but I don't think there's a disconnect, but when, if you're not winning and things aren't working, that's when, you know, human nature is to kind of point the blame at other people. Well, it's 
play calling. It's this, it's that, mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah. But clearly, you brought in a defensive coordinator to fix the defense, and through four games, it's been a success. You brought in the special team guy to to fix the special teams. The last I looked, they were sixth in the NFL. So that seems to be a success. The offense, which you had all the freedom to do right now, you know, is is down there, you know, at the bottom. They're like yards per game, you know, over a little over 300, but they're really not, um, you know, lighting it up with scoring. They're only scoring about 19 a game. So um, that's where, you know, you need your work is on the offensive side. So it starts with a quarterback and this injury doesn't, doesn't help things. So maybe they are being a little bit of a, you know, hiding from the 49ers, their intentions, but I don't, I don't think so. They were kind of, this started a couple weeks ago before the Ravens. If you remember, Watson wasn't on the injury report. They even did a pre-practice injury report the Wednesday before the Ravens game, and it had two names on it, Joel Batonio and mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt. And Watson was out on the field, but we noticed he wasn't throwing. And, right. And Stefanski conveniently talks before Wednesday practice, and he doesn't talk again until Friday after practice. He doesn't speak on Thursdays. So we were all kind of in the lurch until Friday, and that's when, you know, he said, well, you know, it's he's questionable for the game. It'll be a game-time decision, you know. Well, so that tells me that Watson probably never told him that, that he had – that his arm was as sore as it was until, you know, they got out to practice. You know, I so a couple of comments here. I want to I want to highlight and, and get your reaction to. Uh, this first one's from Todd on on YouTube. He says, "People, we are two and two at the bye. Stop acting like the house is on fire." And uh, this next one's from uh, from uh, old friend of the show, Paul. He says, "Sometimes I have to stop myself and say the sky's not falling this early in the season. Two and three would suck, but we have a whole lot of season left." Um, you know, the 28-3 loss to the Ravens, everything looked horrible, right? Uh, one thing, the passing game failed. The running game, you know, failed because they didn't take the passing game seriously. They could load up to stop the run. The entire offense collapsed because of it. The defense, you know, couldn't get off the field. The Ravens had plenty of times to get things running, and it just steamrolled, you know, turned into a 28-3 to um, you know, clobbering of the Cleveland Browns. And it looked horrible. Uh, and people were left with that over the bye, uh, as, as well as the Watson injury. And, and there's a lot of depression going around and people upset with the team and a lot of people thinking that there's, you know, all kinds of systemic problems with the organization. Um, Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. 
was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Assume that Watson doesn't play, the Browns lose on Sunday, and the Browns are two and three. What's your perspective on the rest of the season, Fred, at that point, uh, assuming that Watson does eventually come back in a week or two? Um, you think the Browns are, are up against it, or do you think that uh, uh, maybe we're panicking for a little bit of uh, a little bit uh, too soon? Yes, I definitely think there's panic too soon. If you played the schedule game in April, I don't know how many what how many people had them, you know, at this point. Or I mean, yeah, it'd been great to been four and oh, three and one. Um, should been. You could you could say either game, especially a Steelers game, you know, you you handed it over. Um, but I think the optimistic part of this is you did not have Deshaun Watson against the Ravens. If you would have got beat 28 to three with Deshaun Watson, I think it'd be a little more cause for concern. I I already explained, I think last week is that what was the way that game unfolded is, is a typical how NFL games go. Okay. They started a rookie quarterback. The defense had been playing lights out. They go three and out, three and out. The Ravens could do nothing. And then he throws an interception that goes 52 yards to the 10-yard line. Jackson runs basically untouched for a touchdown. Boom. The game's pretty much over because it looked like the Browns weren't going to be able to move or score any points. And that jump started the Ravens' offense. You know, they then, you know, scored three more touchdowns. You could literally say, though, two became because of interceptions. So... Mm -hmm. Amari Cooper told me this, and I think it's so true. It's perspective. If if you would flip that around, you play the Ravens in the third week and you lose 28 to three, but then you come back and you play the Titans and win 27 to three going into the bye. I think everybody would have a different view on, on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I had the Browns. If, if they could be three and two after five games, I thought that would be ideal but I wanted two and one in the division. They're going to be Mm -hmm. one and two in the division. Okay. It's not the end of the world, the way the division, you know, is lining up, but I doubt if they will be three and two, they'll probably be two and three. No, it's not the end of the world. They have very winnable games coming up. I know a lot of people thought the Colts were going to be a cakewalk or the Seahawks, you know, or the Cardinals. None of the games in the NFL are ever that way. There's always teams that you think are going to be bad that are that are kind of bad, but they they can win any week, just like the Browns could win this week. You know, when everything's going against them, and somehow the best thing that happened was the Cowboys got trounced by the 49ers, and the 49ers mm-hmm. are now five and zero. Oh. They're going right. to win that division easily, and they don't need to go undefeated. So maybe they'll have a letdown. I don't know, but they're still very good. So all that being said. Two and three isn't the end of the world. If it takes 
another week to get your quarterback ready. What what would you do this week? Is if if say Watson plays, they win, they're three and two, but he gets hurt and he's out for the season. Or right. would you rather him not play, they lose, and then the rest of the season you have him? Right. You'd probably be the odds are probably in your favor to take the ladder where you had him for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm just starting to think he's not going to play this week, you know, because they're going to have to look at this. If he, unless, like you said, he's nearly a hundred percent, but they're just not saying anything. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He's going to have to show him he can throw the ball because, you know, he could be a sitting duck out there if it's still bruised in there and you don't want him to have it go on for more weeks. So I just think that you have a schedule that is favorable, and I still think it's about winning the division. You can control your own destiny by winning those division games. You have a crack at all three of them coming back. You could still be four and two in the division. And take care of the the games you should win. I still see a path to win in the AFC North. It's way early. You're only you're not even a quarter of the season yet. Right, right. And uh yeah, I think you would definitely err on the side of caution uh with Watson, particularly since this is an NFC opponent, right? This is not an in-division opponent. It won't have the impact on the playoffs that even playing uh, a team, an AFC team you know, not in the AFC North uh, would have. Um, so, you know, if you're going to err on the side of caution, uh, this would certainly be the the week for it. Uh, let's see here. I think Fred's screen sort of froze up and uh, he's going to be coming, uh, coming right back here. Um, Drew in Brick City sort of has the alternative view. He says, yeah, we lost Chubb and we have no clue what's really going on with QB1. Why wouldn't we think there's reason to worry? And I agree, there is things to be concerned about. I mean, the loss of Chubb, there, there's no way to understate that, uh, you know, what that means to this franchise, not only in terms of the running game, but in terms of, you know, just what Chubb brought to that locker room. The guy who's the, the heart and soul of this team, you know, that is a huge loss, you know, for this franchise. Um, and, and it is something to be concerned about unless they're able to revive that running game. Uh, I, I think is you know it's all valid points. Um, uh, I, I I just think that you know we're, we're not at the point at this point where even if they lose to the 49ers that it's time to give up on the on the season. You know uh, these first five games were going to be tough and two and three is a bit disappointing, but not a sign of a total and complete collapse in my opinion uh, quite yet. Uh, if that two and three turns into two and five, then we can have a further discussion on this. Uh, also from Drew in Brick City, uh, for you, Fred, he, he wants to know if we can expect a bigger impact from Kareem Hunt this week or whether that's just wishful thinking. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kareem Hunt uh, making a bigger impact on the running game this week? Yeah, I, you know, Andrew Berry said during the bye that they really looked at it as a group effort is what they, you know, and he mentioned – Kareem Hunt, along with Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong. I think it's going to be a committee. I think that's the way of the NFL, you know, much to the dismay of fantasy football guys. Um, 
there's not going to be, if they didn't have Nick Chubb, they probably would. Their model long-term is going to be, I think that two to three backs that you rotate around. Mm -hmm. Um, But Andrew Berry spoke very highly of Jerome Ford. They really think he's a guy that can be their, their bell cow. I don't know. We saw flashes of it, but Kareem Hunt, it seems like they've got him penciled into what he did, you know, the previous four years. Come in, you know, spell, forward, come in, you know, on third down, catch Mm -hmm. balls out of the backfield. They felt Ford was maybe a better, you know, threat coming out of the backfield as a receiver than Hunt was at this stage. That's one of the reasons they didn't bring Hunt back. So, I don't know. Hunt, the first week, right off the street, I was surprised he played as much. He was very sore the next week. In fact, he was on the injury report, and that's why I don't think he played as much. Now he had a bye week. I have to think he he was out there today. I think he's feeling really good now. Um, I mean – they really need him. They really need him to step up and be, you know, if he could be better than he had been last year and even a couple of years ago when Chubb got hurt and he took over and looked like the old Kareem Hunt, they need that type of a back that can really be a one-two punch and if need be, supplant Ford and be more consistent. I mean, these guys are getting three yards of carry, you know, and you're just not going to, get a running game going like that. I mean, McCaffrey averages 5.2 yards of carry. Chubb has averaged over five yards of carry in his career. And it just magnifies the offensive line. Joe Batonio's got something going on with his knee. Posick was back today. So that was a good sign, but you got a rookie at right tackle. Hasn't been the greatest in the run blocking. And then you got Jedrick Wills. So, you know, you really got to get that offensive line. I think more than anything together in the running game, you know, working in tandem and creating some push, creating some holes to get the running game going. Our teams are just going to stack the box, especially if you don't have a passing game without Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I, that That's exactly what I was thinking. I, I'm just afraid PJ Walker this week, uh, comes in, I, I just don't see them being able to establish the run because they're not going to respect the pass, right? And that front four and those two linebackers at San Francisco are good enough that uh, they don't need a lot of secondary help to stop the run or create a, uh, uh, a pass rush, you know? And they can just hang back and, you know, track the ball carrier. And uh, I'm not being an awful optimistic at this point. I'll shut up. Um at any rate, a uh, couple of other questions. By the way, we have probably an opening. We've got about a half hour left in the show. We've got an opening for more questions. So if you've got them, uh, hit us up in the chat room. This comes from chat username. Uh, he says, are there any updates on acquiring a player before the deadline? There's certainly rumors out there. and More than rumors, I would say that there's a lot of articles out there about the Browns' needs and trying to draw lines to – uh, Garrett Bowles, you know, the defend the, the Denver offensive tackle and drawing all these lines. There's much more of that than there is of legitimate rumors of interest and talks between, uh, between teams that we can actually, uh, get our teeth into, uh, at this point. Uh, 
Um, do you think this this is likely at all? Do you think Andrew Berry pulled the trigger on on you know making moves on the offensive line or making some sort of a deal, Fred, uh, before the trade deadline, uh, just based on his tendencies? Well, if there's no, if it's just stays the way it is, and they're not forced to make a move because of a trade, yeah, I would only see something like you said on an expiring contract or somebody they feel that could stay beyond this year and, and help. Um, I don't think they're totally enthralled with Jedrick Wills is mm-hmm. play, but you, you hear him just say he, he knows he's supposed to play better and, yeah. but they, they obviously don't feel they have a better choice. You know, they obviously don't think James Hudson is better and right now, I don't think they want to throw Dewan Jones from the right side to the left side in the middle of his rookie year. So you're kind of left with what you have. So, and I don't think that with Batonio's knee injury, I don't think they want to move him out to left tackle and, and jumble up the whole line. So I've said it before, in the NFL, it's so much different than baseball, yeah. You know, or even basketball where you can get a shooter in basketball who just shoots. Sure, he's got to know the uh, – but in baseball, a guy goes up and he hits. A hitter can hit, you know, home runs or whatever. Um, football, you got to learn the offense. It takes you a while to get accustomed to the – you know, these teams go to training camp and spend the whole offseason together and to throw somebody in the middle, you know, it just doesn't – you just don't see it. Um, right. And so, and who's out there? I mean, the Jets, I think the Jets thought they were a Super Bowl team defense-wise, and they had high, high aspirations when they went and got Aaron Rodgers. He -hmm. gets hurt on the first series. And I think they, you know, weren't sure Zach Wilson was the answer, so they were trying everything. But what were they able to do? I think they found a quarterback, Mike White, that used to be on their team. But you just can't just get, you know, somebody pick them off the tree and say, right. okay, this guy's going to be an immediate upgrade. Right. You know, you get a wide receiver, you get anybody. I don't know if they're available. There's a reason they're available. Right. And, and I just, I think he may make a trade for, but he's usually looking for a long-term, like a guy that would be here the rest of this year, but for the future, not mm-hmm. just a eight game, you know, person, and then they're gone unless, you know, they feel like that one player is the difference between the playoffs and not making the playoffs. But there's not, I don't know how many guys available are like that. A left tackle, sure, would be a, but I thought maybe they'd look at the, the guy they put on the ta- practice squad. He's like a 10 year, you know, player in the NFL. I think he's 37 years old. And mm-hmm. he's had good grades, you know, even last year, I think in passing and stuff, but I think they're going to just continue to play who they got. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very possible. Uh, if not probable, uh, you know, the one guy who I keep hearing mention, which is the offensive tackle out of Denver is uh, I'm not sure he's as available as people think he is because, you know, Schefter has been reporting that, yeah, Denver is, in the getting ready to deal people off for future draft picks and so on and so forth, but mostly on defense, you know, not on their offense. 
Um, and so I'm not sure ex exactly how available he is. The other position where they may be looking for somebody, believe it or not, is wide receiver. Even after all that work they did during the offseason, uh, I'm looking at uh, 2023 wide receiver production, a chart that was done that we talked about in our in our Slack today. Uh, and Amari Cooper is really the only wide receiver that we're getting decent production from. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones has disappeared. Uh, uh, Elijah Moore is being used as a gimmick player. Do you think this this team could use another wide receiver, Freddie? Do you, do you think that they are just underutilizing the players that they have? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. There's a lot of factors, you know. Stefanski keeps talking about it. I don't see. I don't know why they're not using quick slants. You know, it, you see these other teams. You know, with young quarterbacks, even like Brock Purdy. You know, they got good receiver, but they're like one second and they're throwing a seven yard slant over the middle. Mm -hmm. Why right. can't you be using Elijah Moore in that instead of the horizontal East and West? And then it goes back to play calling as it goes back to, is the offensive line getting blown out? There's, you know, you got the Watson situation now. And even before that you had the weather game. So we haven't really seen enough to see the offense evolve, but this isn't what I was seeing. in training camp with Elijah Moore and Marquise Goodwin before he went away. I mean, I don't, they got him the ball once, I think for like negative one yard. Mm -hmm. um, they're definitely not executing, you know, or opening up, you know, the, the quick passing game. You know, when I said quick slant, seemed like you could do that with people's Jones. You could do that with Moore. You could do it with Cooper. Um, yeah, I'm. I have not been impressed in what I've seen so far, and sure, Nick Chubb going down is huge, no matter how you slice it, because you could always count on him, you know, to keep the chains moving and so forth. And so, right, it's now showing is the offensive line maybe not as great as everybody thought it was without a Nick Chubb back there, or or what, you know, so it's too early in the season to throw up the white flag, but you would like to see a little more, just find something that works well. And if it's Deshaun Watson, I think like Jake says, more shotgun, more RPOs, mm -hmm. you know, things that make the defense, you know, put pressure on them. <clears throat> We just haven't seen enough of it yet to see what's going on. But I think more has probably been more, not to use the word pun, you know, underutilized in what I thought. He's a 4-3 guy. Use him downfield, not east-west, right. horizontally, like running these little sweeps and things where he can't really – he's not big. It, one arm, they're pulling him down. So get him mm. out there in space with a linebacker or a – or, or somebody in a mismatch. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of discussion, you know, on our forums and out on social media, uh, if you can weed through all the nonsense on social media about um, play calling, about offensive play calling. And I think a large, large part of it is because people felt that uh, Stefanski didn't adapt his play calling for DTR, uh, you know, during the Ravens game. Not that I, 
think that there were any really good play calls out there for Stefanski to make with an ineffective running attack and a quarterback who is clearly overmatched. But uh, Stephen from YouTube asked a question about uh, players' reaction to the play calling. And sort of hidden in there is the notion that uh, the play calling hasn't adjusted for Deshaun Watson. You know, we have heard, we heard so much during this offseason about how the play calling was going to fundamentally change, you know, how the team was going to stretch downfield, you know, and adapt itself for Watson, um, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, that uh, uh, we just just haven't seemed to have seen it, you know, during this year so far. Uh, is, is that your sense that we haven't seen what they were working on during this offseason for some reason? Uh, or uh, uh, do you think that we actually have seen the work that they put in? I haven't really seen it. What I saw down in training camp in West Virginia, I mean, they were throwing the ball deep and throwing it all over the field. And, you know, play calling is always a topic, you know, when things work, everybody's how great it is. Um, but when it doesn't, you know, it's, it's just magnified, but, I just haven't seen the vertical big chunk plays that they talked about and they, they put the concerted effort in. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen a deep game with, with Watson, partly because of weather, partly because of his shoulder. Um, you know, I think the closest we saw was that Titans game. And I go back to it. That's why this has been disheartening that, you know, you've had the setback with the injury is whenever he plays, is he going to pick up where he left off or just naturally he usually takes you some time to get going again, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it, it really, it really is hard to figure out. You know, when you think of the year when Baker Mayfield and they were so effective, it just seemed like things were humming on and they were playing within their strengths. And, and uh, I just feel like, they haven't been playing in their strengths, you know, the offense right. would have done anything, you know, in these first four games, they'd be four and all, they'd be three and one for sure. So when somebody said the sky's not falling, it certainly isn't, but it could be, you know, it could be a getaway, get this, let the season get away from you in a hurry, you know, and that's mm -hmm. why this is so important here. The defense We've talked all about the offense, you know, is is right behind the 49ers in rankings, but the 49ers offense comes in averaging, you know, 30 some a game. They went over 30 every game, 33 points a game. And so the defense has got a tall task. They're going to have to shut down that 49er offense or slow them down to even give the Browns a chance. Right. You know, so it's hard to imagine that the, you know, that the defense holds the 49ers to under 20 points, but right. that's about what they're going to have to do to give the Browns a chance to win with PJ Walker. You know, oh, maybe, boy. maybe, you know, Watson can, can put up more if he plays, but anyway, you look at it, <laughs> it seems like it's going to be a, a battle of the defenses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my optimism is 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 not overflowing at this point. 
Lalan440 makes a makes a comment in the Twitch chat that four has mostly failed to make good throws. Now, of course, we didn't see him against the Ravens, and we we haven't seen him in a little while. But my mind keeps going back to Marquise Goodwin getting open down the field a couple of times, and Deshaun Watson just not being able to deliver the deep ball to him effectively. You know, not being able to hit him. Uh, down there, I forget which game it was, but he I think was that was twice. the season opener, wasn't it? Yeah, against it was the Bengals, against the Bengals, and he wasn't able to get the ball to him. And from Houston, when he was in Houston, he was able to deliver that deep ball very effectively, and uh, it causes me some uh, some concern about. Well, they Watson. said in that game their their excuse was the rain, you know, that it was right. knocking the ball down. I don't, I don't know. I took them at their word, but Burrow yeah. had a bad game as well. And they said the rain was was bad, but yeah, we haven't seen it. I saw it in practice, in training, in mini camp in the spring. Him and Goodwin were connecting on sixty yard bombs. He's hitting them in stride. I I realize that it's different with a pass rush and all those things, but mm-hmm. I think he's capable of doing it. I don't know if he is right now, you right. know, with state of his shoulder, but. Um, if it truly is intact and it's just resting, I just don't know, you know, heard something like even if, you know, typically this type of a bruise is a two to six week process. Well, now it's been what, three weeks since they played the Ravens or Mm -hmm. two weeks, it'll be three weeks on Sunday. So we'll see, you know. Okay. A um, couple, couple other questions which have popped up. This one is from uh, Raphael, and he asks, is there a reason that Tillman has largely gone unnoticed to date? And that's a, it's a really good question because Tillman was was hyped by a lot of people coming out of the draft. You know, obviously one of our, one of our initial draft picks um, considered to be, you know, quite a find at that point in the draft, but uh, we just haven't heard from him. Um, you think there's any particular reason for that? Browns just think Donovan Peoples-Jones brings his skill set to bear and he just is in waiting for next year? Or uh, what's the deal with Cedric Tillman? Why aren't we seeing him more? Well, I mean, it comes from the position coach, Chad O'Shea, you know, is is recommending the rotation of Cooper and Peoples-Jones and, and more. And and Goodwin as the top four, and that's kind of been David Bell a little bit and Cedric Tillman a little bit. I think you know when you can look at the inactive chart on defense, like if there's six inactive, four or five of them are rookies. You know, especially on the defensive side, it just generally takes rookie wide receivers a while to get going. You know, David Bell never really got going as a rookie and Mm -hmm. he's not doing too much this year as well. Um, They just feel those other guys are ahead of them. You know, they haven't had multiple opportunities in the red zone, you know, to that's what they talked about him being a tall rangy receiver to go up and get the ball. I mean, you could say that about a number. What what is I know he had the burns. David Najoku, you know, I thought he was gonna be used a lot more than he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets a couple targets a game, you know, and it's like it just seems like they they have weapons that they don't utilize. Other teams seem to find ways to get their 
guys the ball in mismatches. And that's what it seemed throughout training camp that they were going to do with Elijah Moore and David Njoku. But to date, haven't really seen that. So, yeah, Cedric Tillman, I think, is somebody by the end of the year will probably work his way into the rotation. But I just think with rookies, they just – they don't trust them till, you know, they've proven it over and over in practice that they're ready to go. And there's always somebody gets hurt and then they get put in the field and then they have their chance to, to make a play. And then they get more and more playing time. I know there's, and I'm not comparing, <clears throat> I think it's Christian Watson with the Packers, you know, mm-hmm. the first half of last year was almost like he was a bust, you know, and then the second half right. of the season, he was like rookie of the year or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it just sometimes takes a while for these guys' light to come on. Yeah, it just depends on opportunity. Uh, Njoku it just continues to be, for me, a, a, a disappointment. You know, they're watching Mark Andrews last week and then George Kittle coming up again this week. Kittle catches three touchdowns against the 40, against the Cowboys. He blocks like a demon. I mean, I know – Njoku has all this potential, and he was a first-round draft pick and whatever. I just want to see the Browns have a tight end like those guys, you know. And uh, it just never seems to come to fruition. just never seems to come to fruition. At any rate, um, let's – I know Andrew Berry talked about this uh, last week about trading Josh Dobbs to Arizona. Has Stefanski said anything about that at all? Has he been asked about that or uh, uh, avoided the subject? He wasn't asked about it. He defers those type things to Andrew Barry, but yeah, um, he, he did say, I mean, Barry did say that he wouldn't do anything without, you know, input from the coaching staff. So they were on right. board with the move. Um, you know, in hindsight, I think they probably should have started PJ Walker against the Ravens. Um, you know, if they were concerned about, or else they overvalued DTR's readiness as a rookie in the NFL. Because when you look at things, okay, Josh Dobbs isn't really lighting it up. He, until last week, didn't throw an interception. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think he's won one game as a starter. But uh, PJ, you know, he, Walker, he, has a better career record than Dobbs. He started seven games. I think Dobbs now has started seven games and all Mm -hmm. his have been in the last three years. He started five last year. So I don't know if it's much different, you know, PJ Walker versus Josh Dobbs at this point. But with that said, that caught them. It seemed like they weren't prepared, you know, I think what they wanted to do, obviously, was only have two quarterbacks, and mm-hmm. it cost them. They got caught right. where they really only had two on the roster, and because he was the backup, that's why he started. You know, So you're going to see him probably carrying three going forward because they're not going to cut Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I don't no. think. That was the original problem is they – feared he wouldn't make it, you know, to the practice squad and somebody would poach him off it. So you're going to have to play with a player short and go with three quarterbacks if you're going to elevate Walker. Yep. 
Yep. Well, let's let's talk about Walker a little bit. Um, Paul asks, somewhat in a resigned fashion, have you heard anything about Walker that leads you to believe he won't get slaughtered on Sunday? Uh, Walker uh, had a uh, wonderful time of it in the XFL. He went 5-0 and as an XFL quarterback. Uh, glittering statistics, uh, not so much in the NFL, uh, where he was with uh, the Carolina Panthers, filled in for uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Baker Mayfield. Uh, at various points with the Panthers, did not have the same fortune there, but does have experience. Um, any hopeful uh, thoughts about P.J. Walker and, and him being able to do a little bit better than Dorian Thompson-Robinson? You think his experience will, will help out the Browns a little bit there, Fred? Well, I, I think the best thing, and it, it could have been the same thing with DTR, is – just manage the game. Don't make any mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. As I said, if if Thompson Robinson doesn't turn the ball over three times in interceptions, you know, that led to two touchdowns. In fact, the one that really jump-started the, the Ravens, who knows? But mm-hmm. it's really not the formula to win in the NFL against top teams like the 49ers. It's a scoring te- a league. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you can, even if the defense plays very well, I don't know if you can hold the 49ers down enough for a game manager to just get you enough. You don't have the, the strong running game. It doesn't appear that you did have. So, yeah, I, I think that just his experience is try not to put the ball in harm's way when you look at it. He's thrown five career touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So that tells you he's usually playing from behind and he's throwing the ball, you know, and teams are, are, you know, getting interceptions. And so it's not a recipe for success. The the 49ers are going to be, especially if they get a lead and the Browns have to come from behind. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is you're more apt to turn the ball over or fumble on strip sacks and things like that. So um, I think that Walker has a little more skill set similar to Watson and Thompson Robinson. Hopefully they can have some design runs, even if they're four or five yards, just running around to the, to the sideline where mm-hmm. you're not taking excess, excessive hits. Um, right. That, that is part of Watson's game. And that's when he got hurt, a design run up the middle. You know, he got hit on the shoulder. And so I would think if you could have design runs, but have them more to get to the sideline so you're not taking the hits. But that would be, to me, I haven't seen him play in a game, but I would think that he's got that mobility. That's Mm -hmm. one of the things they like about him. And I don't think they did that with Thompson Robinson. It seemed to me... After watching him in preseason, he he took off and ran quite a bit, and he only had he only did that four times against the Ravens, you know. So, right. if that that's probably at this stage of the game, what he might be doing best is the you know the design runs. I would do that a little bit more, you know, and run pass options, roll them out, and if they collapse on him, dump it off to the tight end or the back. That's, you know, make, Mm -hmm. make him make a decision, you know? So I don't know. I mean, either whoever 
starts, you know, of if, if, if it's Walker, you know, I don't know how you could be optimistic that the Browns are going to, you know, be dynamic on offense. The, uh, uh, in the chat and, uh, I love the chat. Uh, there is now an active conversation about Don Strzok. Raul Havana wanted to know if Don Strzok was available for Sunday. Now, that's a callback, isn't it, Fred? Back He's golfing. Years. He's well, that golfing. was the year they had, I think, four starters. I think that was Kozar went down and mm-hmm. Gary Danielson went Danielson. down. and um, I don't know if Strzok was the third or the fourth, but, yeah, they brought him in literally off the golf course. He's probably back there is if he's living. Yeah. I I hope he's on a golf course somewhere enjoying himself, certainly. And that, that led to a uh, that led to a whole discussion in the chat room. Um uh question from Gagan in the uh I think that's how you pronounce it in the YouTube chat room. Does the front office even know what's wrong with Deshaun's shoulder? It is supposedly a contusion uh of his rotator cuff. Uh, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what that means. Uh, there's a clip that we have uh, from Brad Ward's show uh, late last week where he had a medical doctor on talking about the situation with uh, the rotator cuff. Um, you can find that on the videos page if you're interested uh, for a little bit more of a discussion about what's wrong with Deshaun's shoulder. So that's what we were told, right, Fred? Uh, it's a bruise. That's what a contusion is. It's a bruise, right. you know, and, you know, and it's, I played baseball and I ha- I didn't really have a bruise. I had something with my throwing arm and, you know, if it's swollen in there, the, the ball doesn't rotate um, all the way. If it's impinged where it gets caught, then you can't throw it all. I couldn't throw it all. I had to have, you know, a shot, a cortisone shot, and that subsided the swelling and, and allowed me to, then play again, but I don't, I don't know exactly if there's impingement. I just think it's a, it's a very sore bruise. I've seen him rolling his shoulder around when he was warming up with a rubber band and that windmilling, he looked like he had full range of motion and he wasn't wincing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so there's gotta be something that's just not allowing at that point. Now this again would have been almost two weeks ago before the Ravens game. So, you know, just be optimistic that that he is close to 100% and he'll be ready to go. But I don't think they'll put him out there. I don't think he'll go back out there if he can't, you know, if, it, if he's like a lame duck where, where he can't throw more than 20 yards, you know, or anything right. like that. That does you no good at quarterback. You can't just rely and do gimmick plays like halfback passes and stuff like that. Right, right. Next question comes from Paul. He wants to know, do the YouTube folks have more than us switch guys? More what, Paul? I, I, I'm i confused. Are, are there more YouTube folks than Twitch folks? We don't know. We don't keep track. We love you all equally. So, it, you know, just... Just, just roll with that. But Fred, I want to end the show talking about Kevin Stefanski because we've gotten a lot of uh, questions here from folks who are quite obviously skeptical uh, about Kevin Stefanski. 
Um, K.A. has written in a couple of times. He says, what are the chances that Jim Schwartz is the next head coach in waiting at the end of the season? Uh, he, he also wants to know if the team is right with Stefanski or not. Um, and uh, chat username wanted to know, do the players limit Steph or does Steph limit the players? You know, so on and so forth. I think that there is a... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, there was a comment from our producer that our love is purely proportional to which number is bigger. Um, at any rate, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at some of the stuff in the chat. At any rate, Kevin Stefanski, how would you rate the job that Kevin Stefanski has done so far this season? And uh, uh, just in general terms, um, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with him out there in the fan base because of you know, what happened in the last couple of weeks, but what's your take? Well, yeah, it's too early to judge this season. We really, you know, wanted to see what he was going to do with this offense. And, and you kind of haven't had all the pieces together. You know, you have a weather game, then you start getting it going with the Titans. That's what I said with Watson and everything. Um, you just want to get all the pieces and then see. So, I don't think there's any excuses, but I want to see more, you know, games before, you know, at full strength. Now you knew there were going to be a ding with Nick Chubb out. You knew there's going to be mm -hmm. a ding with Jack Conklin out. Um, everybody has injuries, but I want to see the most important one is Watson. You know, if you got him going, you know, then you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. If you, if you can't do anything with, with him in this offense, then what's the point? So it really is, it really is kind of a, a mixed bag, but I think that um, Jim Schwartz, you know, is, is a logical candidate, uh, Bubba Ventrone. Um, but I don't know if Schwartz would want to at this stage of his career, but they, there are people there, you know, if they chose to make a move. But I just I just think it's way too early to do that. Talking about the injuries, you know, we're ju we just have a, a chat with the Browns going on. We had never mm -hmm. got an injury report today. And, and they just said they just sent it. So I haven't even looked at it. But if you want me to see what they have on here. Okay. Sure. In the, in the meantime, uh, um, apparently this whole YouTube versus Twitch thing is, uh, my explanation that we love them equally has not been bought, uh, by the, uh, by the crowd and, uh, uh, there's agitation for a steel cage match, but, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Browns, all the guys that didn't practice were, you know, because of injury other than Amari Cooper and, okay. uh, and the only one limited was Posick, who returned. Jerome Ford was on there with a knee. He was limited. Okay. But, yeah, Watson's on there. Right shoulder didn't practice. All the 49ers that didn't practice were because of rest. They only oh, had geez. one guy, Elijah Mitchell, who didn't practice with a knee injury. So, yeah. So they're coming in healthy. They're coming in healthy, and the Browns are – you know, a lot of questions, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow, you know. How unusual you know, with, is that, Fred, 
that they don't get the practice, they don't get the injury report out until 8 o'clock at night? Well, they're saying they were waiting on the 49ers. They are on the West Coast. It's, I think, three hours. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's 5 o'clock out there because that was the question. The Browns usually put it out at 4 o'clock on Wednesday and Thursday and so forth. But they've been waiting now until they get the other teams. Okay. And and I thought they would have done theirs at four, but yeah, they just they just sent it out. So all right. Tomorrow's a big day. See what, what happens there, but who knows? All right. Well, the Browns and their late injury reports are keeping me from bourbon time. So it's time to wrap this up. Thank you as always, Fred. Uh, I appreciate that. Your your wisdom as always. Good sensei. And thank you, as always, to the people in the chat room for all your great questions, your comments, keeping us amused, and your Don Cockcroft thoughts in the chat room that I've been following uh, uh, rapidly throughout the latter half of the uh, show tonight. Thank you very much for attending. We will see you again tomorrow, or not tomorrow, next Wednesday at 7 p.m. for OBR Weekly. For Fred Greetham, I'm Barry. Good night, everybody. Thanks a lot. See you. Later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.